I thank God for you guys that, that when I come into the sermon today, I wasn't even sure what the title of the sermon. And, and Norma showed a video of the Stronger Men's Conference. And, and, and I was walking out in the hallway, and the man in the, that was talking, I don't even know who it was that said it, but we were created to be in the presence of God. And I thought, man, that's the title. That, that's the title I couldn't find. And, and I'd been praying, God, show me a title. And you think it's crazy, but, but I want to know that I'm in the Lord's will too when I get up here. And I want confirmation. And man, that just swept over me. And thank you, whoever was faithful and showed that, that slide today. And then Jim gets up here and shares the word that, that he shared the first service. And then again, the, the second service that, that man, we thrive in the presence of God. And that's where we need to be. And it was just more confirmation over and over and over. We need to run into the presence of God. And we need to desire the presence of God over everything. And, and the Lord had been putting on my heart that, that we need to be consistent in this. That inconsistency is what keeps us from experiencing God. God is, is here now. And inconsistencies keep us from experiencing Him. But consistency and pressing in is how we get to experience Him. So, uh, you know, what's a definition of consistency and inconsistency? Jeremy, Jeremy uh, come on up here, bud. i got to embarrass you. And, and, and I'm going to embarrass him a little bit today. I'll go to you because I, I don't want you to outwork yourself. But both of us are on diets. Who's been consistent and who's been inconsistent? <laughs> Any guesses? How many thinks Jeremy's been inconsistent? Would you raise your hand? All right, I got one. How many think I've been inconsistent? You guys are all in the doghouse. <laughs> I can't believe that. The ones that didn't raise your hand, thank God for listening to the Lord. But, but he's been consistent. How much weight have you dropped? 102 pounds. Let's give the Lord praise for that. But, but we need to be consistent in what we're doing so that to, and I don't like the word see results, but so many times we miss out because we stop, because we quit. And, and another example I thought about is if, you know, we could go out and run a mile, all of us go down the bridge and back. We would see who was real quick in, in staying consistent in working out, wouldn't we? And who was inconsistent in working out. And so today, I want us to be consistent, and I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to encourage us to be consistent in the things of God, in the, th in the things of the Lord. Now, the Lord told me to go back to the beginning today, and I'm, I want to just start from the front and just be cut and dry. But the Lord said to read Romans 3.10, and I'm just going to move into this now. He said, that is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. And, and, and so we were in a state that all of us were sinners. And I would say most of us, we pressed in to the grace of God. And, and that's the next point I want to make here today. But the grace of God covers the believer. And, and that grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, Titus 2.11 says. And like I said, most of us have moved into that. Most of us have walked into that place. But also, I want us to read John 3.36 today. The wrath of God is for the non-believer. 
And, and so many times I think that, that we forget this. And that inconsistency, if we continue in inconsistencies and, and not in salvation, we're going to experience the wrath of God someday. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. But, but when we accept Jesus Christ, then he covers us to where we will not experience the wrath of God. But if we haven't experienced Jesus Christ, we will experience the wrath of God. And we need to know that today because a lot of pastors are, are preaching that, you know, that Jesus loves us all, and he does. But, but they're preaching that you don't have to have a lifestyle change, that, that you just are loved by Jesus, and God's not mad anymore, and everything's going to be all right. I guarantee you, if you passed away right now without Jesus Christ, you're going to experience the judgment of God. And we need to remember that today. But as we read this scripture here, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains in him, on him. But the wrath of God remains on him. And that's Jesus' own words. But also as a, a believer, I think that if we're not consistent in the things of God and we begin to back off, I believe there's a point in time that we can push away from God and, 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 and experience the wrath of God again because we denied Christ. And we see that from Judas, his own disciple that, that was with him and was experiencing him all around him. But again, he chose the other side. And so we need to be careful that we're always pressing in. You know, the theme for this year is that, that forget what's behind and it's nothing compared to what God wants to do in the future. You know, and quoting Isaiah 43, but guys, that scripture doesn't work if we're not pressing into God. If we're not being intentional, if we're not pressing into that, that, that presence, if you will. When Jesus gave us or the Holy Ghost gave us the vision for the year, he says that we need to love people like Christ loved us. Be consistent in loving people and loving God. And in my reading this week, and, and, and again, I'm going to keep hammering this till we get it. But when the lawyer asked Jesus and, and answered Jesus by saying what the requirements of people were, he said to love the Lord your God and people with all your heart, soul, and mind. And, and, and Jesus wants us to be consistent in that and consistently pressing into that. But something that, that I, I just never really noticed, but as we began to continue reading through that chapter and that verses in our reading in Luke 10, 30, Jesus shows us how to do that. Jesus showed us by the story of the Good Samaritan. And we preached on this a few weeks ago. But again, here this priest and Levite, these, these godly people, passed by this man that had been beaten and robbed. And Jesus was trying to show us how to consistently love like Jesus loves. He said, here the godly people, they went to the other side. And I got to thinking about that. You know, they were probably busy. They didn't want to pollute themselves. And they didn't want to take a risk is probably why they went to the other side. You know, this priest, he was probably had just finished services at the temple. And people don't realize that Levi was probably had gotten the music around. He probably had, had prepared things. And so they both could have been going to church or been coming home from church. They could have been wore out or busy, too entrapped 
to see the need to love this brother. The other side of that is if they were heading to church or, or even coming from church, if they would have touched an unclean body, you know, if this guy, when they got over there, would have been dead, then they couldn't do anything for seven days. And they didn't want to be infected, if you will. They didn't want to be polluted by the world, if you will. And so they stayed to the other side. You know, they also maybe didn't want to go over there because it was too risky. You know, obviously this guy had been robbed and beaten and, and left for dead. How did they know that the guy still wasn't there or guys still there to ambush them and, and to, to hurt them? And so we don't know what was going through their mind, but Jesus was saying, and I never thought about this this way, but many people miss out on loving God and loving people, the presence of God, and the presence of God through loving people because we're too busy, because we don't want to pollute ourselves. Man, do you know what's going on in our life? I don't want to hang around with them. I don't want anything to do with them. It may rub off, and it may be too risky. It may hurt my reputation. It may hurt things going on in my life. But Jesus showed us how to love through the most unlikely person, a Samaritan that was probably despised by the Jew that was hurting down and probably despised by the, the, the priest and the Levite that went on the other side to show God's love. And we see in the story that it cost him time, energy, and money. You can read about that in Luke 10, 33 and 34. So Jesus is telling us right off the bat that, that loving like Jesus loves, loving people like Jesus loves, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to cost us our time, our energy, and our money. And, and most of us will probably miss, be missing out because we're too busy and we don't want to pollute ourselves and it's too risky. But Jesus told us to be like this Samaritan. That's the first example he gave us in Luke 10 about loving our brothers and loving God. And he said to them at the end in 1037, go and do likewise. Go use your time, your energy, and your money on people and loving God. You know, I got thinking about that. We do that for basketball or that's what's going on now. We do it for baseball. Man, we spend our time, our monies, and our talents all on that. We don't worry about the risk. We don't worry about polluting ourselves. And we don't worry about being too busy. Man, we press into those things. So I know that we can do it. Jesus knows that we can do it, that we need to go and do likewise for the kingdom of God. Then the second thing that he shares in this, just immediately after he tells us to love people, down in Luke 10, 39, we see that, that Mary and Martha, that Jesus went into their house and Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. And then the other example of Martha, who was too busy to enjoy Jesus. She was so distracted by everything going on around her. So again, that lesson that's in there, you know, Martha, she was pressing in and consistent and receiving for, for Christ. Excuse me, Mary was. And then we had Martha over here too busy and distracted about what was going on. And then the next thing that Jesus teaches the disciples is prayer. How to pray. 
how to have a relationship with God through prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he teaches his disciples how to press in even more. And again, he says, go and do likewise. And I want to remind us today, and, and, the, and, and that there was some afterthoughts the Lord gave me this morning, but the meat of what the Lord had told me to share with you today was in Romans 8, 29, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and 1 John 3, 2. But God has made it possible for us to be Christ-like. God has made it possible for us to go and do likewise. And it's through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and I want you to get this in the scripture today because this is so powerful. But Romans 8, 29 says, God has predestined his people, you, to be conformed to the image of God. Predestined means to dis, uh, to be destined for a purpose, a particular fate or purpose. Christ has predestined us to be Christ-like. And I want us to get that today. You see, when Adam fell, he lost much of, but not maybe all of, the divine image in which he had been created in. And we don't realize that 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 that, that was all taken away, and it wasn't by, by God. Guys, a lot of times we blame God for where we're at. When, when the people, we made the choice that separated us from God. God restored that. If you remember the sermon last week in Genesis 3.15. But God restored us back through Jesus Christ and, and into the likeness of Christ. We can constantly experience God. Jesus made it possible. In this same verse in Romans 8.29, conformed means to be like Jesus, Christ-likeness. So at salvation, you've been restored to God. Giselle just texted me and things went awesome down there today. Praise God. But Christ has made us Christ-like at salvation. 2 Corinthians 3.18, now get this. Christ took care of the past. But Christ took care of the presence as well. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, in other words, reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So Christ took care of the, the past. And now he's saying, by the Holy Spirit, you can be Christ-like now. This time on earth, every day on this earth, the Holy Ghost is with us to be Christ-like. Now, if you walked up to me today, uh, my favorite quarterback is Brett Favre. I love Brett Favre. Always have. And he's even a Green Bay guy. But he got saved and went to Vikings for one year, but he backslid. But anyway, he's my favorite quarterback. And if you walked up to me today and said, Pastor, I want you to go play like Brett Favre played. I'd say, you're out of your mind. There's no way that I can do what Brett Favre does. I, I'm not that guy. But if you put Brett Favre's spirit in me and his body in me and his likeness in me, I could go do it. In the same way, 
A lot of us say that we cannot be Christ-like. If you're a believer here today, you can be Christ-like. You say, well, this sin holds me down. No, it doesn't. Christ took care of it on the cross. You can be Christ-like now. And we need to press into that. We need to be consistent in that. But Christ came that we could be Christ-like. And he restored us back to God. And by his spirit, his Holy Spirit in us, we can do it. God's spirit, Christ's spirit, the Holy Ghost is in your spirit if you're saved here today. And if that spirit resides in you, you are Christ-like, which means you can do what Christ did. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. We need to get a hold of that. Because the third thing here is I hear it at funerals and I heard it this Saturday at the funeral that Christ took care of the future. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now and we will be, what we will be has not yet been, appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So we hear at salvation that we've been made like Christ. We heard that we've been made like Christ when we pass on to be with God. And we've heard that we can be Christ-like now by the Holy Ghost. We receive the beginning part at salvation. We receive the end part. But are we receiving the middle part? Are you being consistent in pressing in to being Christ-like, to love like Christ loved us, to love people like Christ loved us, to love God like people, like God loved us. And we see in 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing, the Holy Ghost, which you have received from him abides in you, that's the spirit, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing, the Holy Spirit teaches you concerning all things, and it is true, and it is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. We can be Christ-like now. We can be consistently walking in his presence now. This world doesn't have a hold on us, and we need to press into him. Christ took care of it for us. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And we hear Jesus' own words, follow me. Walk as I walked. As we heard up here, go and do likewise. We have been anointed and appointed for the time. Giselle and Amy both got a lot through at them here today. And, and I texted them both before church and said, you've been anointed and appointed for this time. Go in God. And they received it, and, and we got a good result here. Man, it was a great day, Pastor. Things really happened today. We need to get that attitude in walking in daily life. And everything that we're doing, that we can be Christ-like while we're here on this earth, and we should be striving to be Christ-like. I'm going to share this with you because Billy Graham said it, and, and you can receive it from him. But a lot of the thoughts I got today was from a message I heard him preach. But, but he said in, a, in his message, 
Why is it that our evangelistic efforts are often fraught with many failures? And I got to thinking about that. Why? And he went on to say this. One main reason is that we don't like the Christ we proclaim. And boy, that stuck with me. The believer a lot of times isn't successful because we don't like the message that Christ proclaims. Oh, I don't want to do that, man. Christ, you're cramping my lifestyle. I can't press into you right now because I want to do this. And I want to experience this. And I want to experience this world. And that that kind of started coming to life a little bit. You know, when Christ just said, you know, obey the Sabbath because it's important. But we say, well, that kind of interferes with me. You know, I'm not sure that I agree with that. You know, and I've even heard it anymore that, man, if you listen to people pray, and they wonder why they're not healed, well, listen to them pray sometimes. I mean, God, uh, I'm not sure you heal anymore. But if you would like to, it's okay with me. I'm working with a guy right now, and it's, it's, it's really tough because he's living with a girl, and he's telling me how bad the world is. And he can see everybody else's fault, but he can't see his own. And it, and it floors me. In other words, God doesn't work for me when it comes to this, but it works over here when you're not doing it. Yeah, I don't go to church anymore because there's a bunch of sinners there. What'd you tell me today? Don't be. Jim texted me in church today. Did you guys see that? Let's see what he texted me here because it was really good. He was reading a book and it said, Be a gap stander, not a gap finder. In other words, find how you can place God in the gap and not how we can complain and make excuses. And I don't know that that was the intent of what he was telling me. But I hear so many times the Bible, it's outdated. Everything our system is battling right now is because people don't believe the word anymore. It, does, it isn't compatible to them. And so when, when, when you hear Billy Graham say, the one main reason is that we don't like what Christ proclaims. But we've got to be consistent in the things of God to experience God. So I'm going to close out today with five ways we can do that. And the first one is, is follow and imitate Christ. But the first one is, The incarnation, in other words, strive to be like Christ. Incarnation means someone who embodies a deity. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you embodied him. You said, come into my heart. And this is what Philippians 2, 5, and 8 says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so the, the scripture that Paul says, having that mind of Christ, 12, Romans 12, 2, having that mind of Christ. You know, somebody that's not embarrassed by the word, but it embraces the word. I think of Bible college, and, and the two and a half years I spent there, I was thinking about it last night. I think I saw most every miracle that was recorded in the Bible, I saw at Bible study, Bible school with my own eyes. People healed, demons cast out, 
Um, I can go on and on and on. And, and the reason is, is that they pressed into God. And I know I shared it before, but a lot of times it felt like we got out of that bubble that we couldn't experience God like we wanted to. But, man, if we went to math class, we had a devotion and a testimony and prayer. If we went to any, any class in the college, every hour the class started in the presence of God. And, and, and they honored God. And we did what the Bible said, and we experienced moves of God, just unexplainable moves of God. I mean, I've seen instant healings, just, just hard to believe. And I've seen things that God has done, people by the thousands getting saved. I mean, by the hundreds, it wasn't nothing to see 100 people get saved. It was nothing to see that. When this evangelist would go over to Africa, it wasn't nothing to see 100,000 get saved. And I'm not kidding in saying that. Unbelievable moves of God. By the way, Landon preached at the Wednesday night at our area youth rally. And over 30 kids come up for salvation. Give the Lord praise. Landon said, I don't know what I did, and I hope I'm not out of turn, Landon. He said, there's, there's been times when I get in the pulpit, man, it just flows and goes, and you can just know it's the Lord. And he said, man, he goes, I, I was, wasn't in the flow like I normally. I always use the vein is the word I use. Man, I didn't feel like I was in God's vein. And he said that the, the move of God just was unbelievable. And I said, it's because you're consistent in the things of God. Signs and wonders follow those that are consistent in the things of God. The second thing is be like Christ in service. You know, we're going into the Easter season and we always talk about, you know, Christ washing his disciples' feet, that how the Son of God, God himself, got down on his knees and used his clothes to wash his disciples' feet. And the thing that we don't get is that in that culture, in that time, it was the responsibility of a slave to do that. So when I'm telling you here to be a servant, and Christ is going to ask you to be a servant, he literally become a slave. He made himself a slave to people and to God. Is how much he loved God and people. And he washed their feet. And he said this to us in John 13, 14. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Are you serving people as a slave? In other words, there's nobody that you're better than. There's no situation that's ugly because you're a slave, you're underneath it all. And you want God to use you to bring somebody to Christ. I think about that day as he washed Peter's feet that he knew would deny him. Well, by gosh, I'm not washing their feet. They've treated me like dirt. I can't love that person. Well, become a slave to Christ and do it and love them. You know, like Judas that, that would put Christ on the cross or be responsible for that. He said, well, God doesn't expect that out of me. You're to be Christ-like. We've already established that you were made Christ-like at salvation and when you die, you're going to be Christ-like forever. In the middle, you're Christ-like by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to do the best our can that we can to accomplish that. Pope John Paul II 
1981. Took a bullet, two bullets in his intestines, one in his left hand, one in his right arm. And, and I, you know, they tried to assassinate him, severely wounded. He never fully recovered to back where he was. But whether you like the Catholic system or the popes or whatever, you got to admire what this guy did. He was Christ-like. He reached out to this man that shot him and forgave him. He asked the people to pray for him. Two years later, he took the hand of Axa, if I'm pronouncing that right, in the prison because he was put in prison for life, and he whispered in forgiveness to him. He developed a friendship over the years with his family, his mother, and different ones. In June of 2000, this guy was pardoned by the Italian president at the Pope's request. In 2005, when the Pope passed away, the family sent a letter wishing him well, and they interviewed this guy's brother and the entire family, and they were grieving for the Pope. We can be Christ-like now, and you don't have to be the Pope. That same Holy Spirit resides in you. We can embrace God and His Word and consistently experience His presence and be used to love others, to be slaves to others, to be servants to others, to where they are more important than we are. The third thing, be Christ-like in love, Ephesians 5, 2. And we walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice for God. Paul takes it to another level. He said that you not only need to be a slave, but you need to be willing to die, give your life for somebody else. Man, that's pretty awesome there. It's a pretty big responsibility. That that's how important that, that, that it is to Christ and Paul and the Word of God that we love each other. If you will go on down through that passage, you're going to read, and Paul's going to say that, that you should want to be so like Christ that you give your life for Christ. And he goes on to say in the, the, the King James or the ESV, there should not be, a, be named a sin against you. If you read the NLT or the NIV, it says there should not be a hint of sin in your lives because we're striving to be Christ-like. And what that means is, is that, that nobody can say about Pastor Kent, that, oh yeah, Pastor Kent, yeah, he's got a problem with anger and he's got a big mouth. There shouldn't even be a hint of sinfulness in our lives. And you say, well, man, Christ is asking a lot. No, he gave you his Holy Spirit so that you could be Christ-like. You know, it isn't said of a, of a deacon in the church that, that, yeah, man, they tell the best dirty jerks jokes. They make me feel comfortable. There shouldn't even be a hint of sin in our life. And that means that that's how serious that, that Paul was here. But he also reminded us that, that we should love Christ so much that we want to sacrifice our body to him. And Father, take all of me, Lord. I don't want any ugliness in my life. And Father, you give me your Holy Spirit to overcome. When the scripture said he takes us from glory to glory, that's what it meant. That he's taken us from here to here, from here to here. And while we're in this life, there's always going to be things that we're confronted with that, that we need to work on. But, but in the end, 
Christ can say about us, well done, good and faithful servant. I always took pride in it at Freeman. I was over all the exit interviews. And, and there's thousands of them, guys, because I was over the whole facility. And, and, and the exit interviews, they can write in there things about me they didn't like. And when they did, HR would come and confront me. And every time HR would come and confront me, it may be they didn't like me or the way I did something or whatever. But I'd just say to them, was I fair and was I honest with them? Did they say that? And they said almost every time, yeah, he was always fair and honest with us. And I said, that's all I care about. We're all going to be doing things different, but are we doing it in a Christ-like way? Is there a hint of ungodliness in our life? We need to give it to the Lord. The fourth thing is endurance in 1 Peter 2.21. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. And I didn't want to use the word here, suffered, because I think so many times we Christians will run around, oh, I'm suffering for Christ. I, I've got this going on. and oh, blah, blah. That's not what I think it means. It means to endure until you overcome. You press in and you, and you overcome things. Endurance is the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Meaning you don't give in to what you believe. You continue to press in. And embrace the things of God. I believe suffering or this endurance will kick in even more and more as we move on in life. Because of the increase in wickedness and the things going on around us. If we embrace the things of God and the, the, the ways of God, people are going to be ugly with us. And, and our jobs may be ugly with us. And life may be ugly with us. But we need to endure and not quit the things of God but press into the things of God because that's what will bring us deliverance. College students, most professors, if they know you're a Christian and you stand for the things of God, they're going to give you a hard time. Not all professors, but some. High school students, if you obtain from sex and don't want to go party and be a part of the crowd, you're probably going to have to do some enduring. You might be nights you're left alone. I'll never forget when... I'd go to the school, and this happened more than once, and I wasn't planning on saying this today, but one of our leaders in youth, I'll never forget, she was sitting at the table by herself one day, and she was all quiet, and I went over and sat by her, and I said, what's wrong with you? And she goes, I'm trying to live for Christ, and, and, and nobody wants anything to do with me, and, and I'm eating by myself today. And, and because of her stand for Christ, she was by herself at the dinner table that day. We need to endure for Christ. We don't go, oh, poor, where was me? And I know I do that some. But we need to press in and endure and, and press through it because Christ is going to bless us. Archbishop Michael Ramsey said, We state and commend that faith only insofar as we go out and we put ourselves inside the doubts of the doubters, the questions of the questionnaires, and the loneliness of those who have lost their way. That was under the next point. I jumped too far ahead. Does he want to preach? He was doing really good. I told him today that if he kept chattering at me, I was going to grab him and let him preach for us. But I jumped the gun there. But missions is the last thing. And I just read that to you. We state and commend the faith only in so far as we go out and put ourselves inside of the doubts of the doubters, the questions of the questionnaires, and the loneliness of those who've lost their way. 
But Jesus said in John 17, 18, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent you into the world. John 20, 21, Peace be with you as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. We are responsible for Christ's mission. Christ entered the world, so we must enter into our world and the people around around us and win them to Christ. We need to embrace the things of God, the kingdom of God. Be faithful in who we are because we can make a difference today. If the praise team would come forward and let's get ready with a closing psalm. And I I pray that we've been examining ourselves today. I hope that this has been encouraging to you that that we we can be faithful that Christ has provided that by his Holy Spirit. And he'll help us through. So as we opened here today, in Romans 3.10 is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. You know, we may be believers today and we may walk in the grace of God and the peace of God. But man, it's our responsibility to go out and tell others. And let God use us because guys, if we really believe this message today, man, we would be changing lives all around us. We would be pressing into the Lord like never before. And and I don't think sometimes we really fathom the message that's before us today. Billy Graham also said this, a Hindu professor identifying one of his students as a Christian once said, if you Christians live like Jesus Christ, India would be at your feet tomorrow. And that that really stuck with me. That really touched my life today. But what about us as Americans today? If we as Christians live like Jesus Christ in America, America would be at our feet tomorrow. When I think about our own families and our children, man, our children are begging for a Christ-like dad and a Christ-like mom and a Christ-like family. And I think that, that if you as Christians, we as Christians live like Jesus at home, our children would be at our feet tomorrow. You know, at our workplace, at all the places around us, that when we're embracing God, embracing the things of God, man, it'll change our lives. And it'll change the lives around us. So where do you find yourself today? Are we consistently walking in the grace? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Are we consistently experiencing God? Or are we inconsistent here today? Whoever does not obey, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on them. Where do we find ourselves today? You wouldn't believe the pressure I'm under a lot of times. And I say this today because nobody likes this type of message. I get it all the time. Pastor, I wish you'd preach like this guy. And I go listen to that guy, and they never say what was being said today. People want a touchy-feely message And our world's going to hell in a can. And if we truly believed who we were in Christ Jesus, man, we'd be pressing in and and, and changing the world. If we truly believe that that person that, that comes into work and brags about who they slept with all weekend and, and we nudge them and laugh with them and think, 
Man, I wished I was free to sleep around still. Instead of saying, thinking, man, they're going to hell. They don't even know Christ. And the opportunities that we got that, that we're at every day, we laugh at all this nonsense, this worldliness, when we could be telling them about the things of God. We could be talking about the presence of God. Do we really believe what's been said today? And I'd ask you to check your hearts today. Check you who you are in Jesus Christ. And to be honest with you guys, I'm not going to lighten up in what I'm saying. I hope you see the love of God in what's been saying here today. But we need to be pressing in more than ever. You know, just going to that funeral yesterday, I hear it all the time, everybody's saved. And I saw 150 people of 80% I didn't even know. Barton County's got thousands of people in here that don't know Christ. And Christ has asked us to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and, and to love them. And what keeps us from doing that? We stand to our feet today. Father, I ask that you look on our hearts today. And Father, I ask that you minister to our hearts today. And Father, I know in your word there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That Father, your word is here to bring us closer to you, that, that we could experience you in totality. And Father, I ask today that we would embrace you with our lives. And Father, that we would just give all that we are to you today. And Satan, we bind you and all you're trying to do to kill, steal, and destroy. You have no authority here. And Father, we just again ask that you move mightily in our lives. Father, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I'd ask that they'd come to these altars. Father, if there's any here today, Lord, that, that just need a touch of you upon their life, that, that they are far a little away, maybe the prodigal son, whoever. But Father, I ask that all are restored to you today completely, Lord. It's, it's just simply by asking. Father, I ask that you just fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If, but it's time to get real with ourselves. It's time to get real with ourselves. And to really look into our lives. And again, our goal is to press into Jesus. Be consistent in him.